This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. Here we go with episode 95. I liked what you did the other day when you said, who's the best 93? We should have been doing that all along. I feel like we should have been doing that all the way through. Where are we at now? 95? I just said it. Or <laughs> 95. 95. 95. So I don't. 95. Who's 95 in the NHL that ever played? We Sergey Berezin. Was he 95? I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like he might have been 95. We missed, a, we missed a crucial 93 the other day on 93. Crucial. Uh, how how do they what's his name uh well i know his name r r n h who's r n h oh yeah 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 nugent hopkins yeah that's a good one drop the ball on that one drop the ball on that one we didn't do 94 but 95 well uh, 94 soon as it's captain canada ryan smith oh yeah ryan smith i mean that just gl- blaringly you know him and his you know, Gretzky looking gloves and his Gretzky looking stick and his, you know, side tuck like Gretzky. And, you know, he tried to be Gretzky, but, uh, you know, was a great player, but, you know, far from it. <laughs> well, anyone who tried to be Gretzky was never going to be Gretzky. But I'm going to tell yeah. you something. If there was ever a player that you can say looked kind of skated like him and didn't didn't kind of skate like him skated like him and then yeah. you'd see him in the interviews where he had his in his uh, summer skates he had the jofa helmet he had the long cuff he had the jersey tuck he had the short stick he had the straight blade he was a left hand shot he wore number 94 so it almost looked like 99 and he might be one of the greatest net front presence guys in the history of the game his hand eye coordination was through the roof he was exceptionally great on the power play. He was very, very good in front of the net. Um, took a beating, took an absolute beating to be in that position uh, in the era that he played. I mean, you had to take a beating from uh, the defenseman in front of the net, but he's a good hockey player. Ryan Smith was a heck of a hockey player. Um, obviously named Captain Canada because he never made the playoffs and he was always at the world championships and uh, he came to be a staple, um, you know, with uh, Team Canada. But uh, he's a heck of a hockey player. He had a great career. All right. So number ninety-five in the NHL, Sergey Berezin. Absolutely. Did he? Was yeah, he? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's why when you said it, I didn't argue it because I, I completely remember. He's the only guy that comes to mind, and it's Danny very Markov. Foggy. Danny, Danny Markov. Markov from Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, didn't Danny Markov play for the Minnesota North Stars too? Or Minnesota Wild too? I got to look him up. Um, it's, well, he's got to be related to the other Markov, right? The guy you played with. No, no They're not they're related? Really, no, they're not related. Do you Completely know what? different style players too. Andre Markov, the guy I played with, was one of the best puck-moving defensemen in the National Hockey League. Just because they're different styles was, doesn't mean that they can't be related. But I, okay, I mean, I just, I just all of a yeah. sudden, you know who, you know what baffled me when someone told me that Alf and Shell Samuelson weren't related. 
I thought they were related the whole yeah. time, my whole life, my my entire life. I just assumed they were related. Yeah, shells six, what seven, six, eight. I, again, there you go with the heights. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, it's just I just assumed. Well, all Samuelson's six four, isn't he? Um, I wouldn't think he was that big, but who knows? I'm gonna look him up. But who was I just looking up? We were just talking about somebody else. Markov. Markov. That's who I want to look up. Danny Markov. Danny, Danny Markov. Danny. Shot block king. Real solid player too. Very physical. Um, I remember him the most when he was in Toronto. Yeah, Toronto. That's right. He, yeah, Toronto. Phoenix, Carolina, Philly, Nashville, Detroit. Never in oh, Minnesota. Geez. So he cruised around a little. Okay. Played uh, 538 games. Had 147 points. Played 81 playoff games. He wow. was on the uh, he was on the Toronto teams that had a couple, a few good uh, playoff runs there. Nine, yeah. from 98 to 2000, 2001. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Good call with uh, good call with 95. Sergey Bearson. Um, speaking of uh, 95, I don't think his draft year was 95, though. No, he was before that. But Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger is going to be a guest on our show tomorrow. And uh, I got to tell you, Riff, you pulled this one, uh, and I'm really excited about this one. This is one of the ones I'm more excited about. I've only ever met him once, and... All I can tell you about Pronger is when I was in New Jersey, every time we played Philadelphia, the wives on the New Jersey Devils, like Parise's wife, um, trying to all the all the forwards, all the skilled Langenbrunner's wife, yep. uh, they they you know they hated Chris Pronger, hated because he abused physically abused everybody, cross checks, slash, you know, yep. like he was just. He was as, as hard to play against as they get for star players. He took it easy on nobody. Well, you know, going back to both of our careers, because we, we actually both kind of uh, ended around the same time um, and actually started kind of pretty, pretty similar too. No, no, you're um, way ahead of me, but go, you're way ahead of me. What do you mean? In terms of when we started. No, I'm talking about Chris Pronger. Oh, yeah, okay. When we, I thought you were yeah, talking. Okay, figure okay. it out there, but Yeah, I'm like, like, what? I thought you were talking about me. No, but Prong's, uh, you know, when when he when he came into the league um, with Hartford, he was drafted second overall. He was, I mean, the league at the time had not seen a player like him. You know, he was six foot six. Um, when he came into the league, he was very thin. Very skinny kid, hadn't grown into his body yet, but had insane abilities with the puck. His hands and his ability to move the puck out of the zone, his offensive um, power play uh, work, he was something special. And in the same time, he was probably one of the dirtiest players to play against. He used his stick as a weapon, like and, you know, hence the, I think, how many times was he suspended? Seven? Eight? Six or seven, yeah. So he's, he, I think up before Marshawn this year, I think he was the most 
suspended or penalized player, but then I think Marshawn took that over, I think. But either way, he, they're both up there. But yeah, a, a I lot. mean, uh, got quite a rap sheet. He, you know, he has he has the rap sheet. There's, uh, you know, he's won the the Norris. He's won the Hart. You know, he's he is uh, he was quite a player in the league, but uh, very very difficult to play against. Um, and he was drafted, uh, PD. I was drafted in 1992. Now we're both the same age. We're both born in 1974, but my birthday is September 13th, and the NHL cutoff is September 15th. So, so what that means is he was October 10th. So he had to, he was pushed back into the next year's draft. So, um, what a draft this was, by the way, this, this draft year. Oh, I'm just, I'm on round. I'm on round uh, five. There are players that are just, that were like Miro Shatan was taken in the fifth round. And like they had a stinker in Alexander Degg first overall, he was not, he did not pan out to what he was in junior hockey. Darcy Um, Tucker in the six, Pat Laleem in the six. Go ahead. Keep going with what you're saying. Paul Correa, Rob Niedermeyer, you know, Jason Arnott. There, there's a lot of a lot of really solid players. Kenny Onsen, Brennan Witt, Jocelyn Tebow had a long career. Derek uh, Peterson, Adam Deadmarsh, Jason Allison. I mean, there was Saku Koivu, Todd Bertuzzi, and old Kevin Adams. Kevin Adams drafted to the Boston Bruins, twenty fifth overall in the first round out of Miami University. So it was a pretty good, pretty good. I'm on the ninth. Listen to who was drafted in the ninth round in this draft. And we'll get into last night's playoffs. Mike Greer, um, Pavel Dimitra. Those were the two that stood out. In the 10th round there, uh, remember a guy named Kimo Timonen? Oh, yeah. Played, played 1,100 games in the NHL, 571 points. He was drafted in the 10th round. So, yeah, there was, uh, there was a lot of great players uh, drafted uh, in this draft. All throughout this draft, too. They had 11, 11 rounds back then. Um, all right. Well, speaking of, speaking of 11 rounds, I mean, shit, that, uh, that Rangers-Penguins uh, game. Almost went eleven rounds last night. What a game that was! I mean, that was the I one know. I was dialed into the most. I was back and forth. It was over at Jeff, so Jeff was in control of the remote. Um, we're back and forth. We're checking out Washington, Florida. But what? Let, let's start with the Penguins Rangers last night. Like two nothing. Obviously, there's some plays in that game that are very suspect to me. Very suspect. And well, you let, seem- let's go with the let's go with the most controversial, and that's the uh, the goal that was called back. Is it? Do you think that's the? Do you think that's the most controversial? Yes. <laughs> that's it would have made it. That's it would have you- made it four three p. Yeah, I yeah I get with, that. With but- five minutes left in the game, uh, you're going to tell me you're going to tell me that Capo Kakinen, who is driving wide, who when you break down and you slow it down. He started to make 
his cut to the net about two feet, at least two feet away from the net, minimum, which means that he wouldn't have been in the crease at all if he was not touched. He got hit. He got bumped from behind, which propelled him forward into the goaltender. You don't have to yell at me because uh, uh, you you read my group chat horseshit. last. Like you read my group chat last night. You you talk about you talk about the rules of the game. They're they're looking at when is he starting to make his cut towards the net, not wide, but towards the net. He wasn't on top of the goaltender. He wasn't in the crease when he made the cut. He made the cut way before that. And if he was not pushed and hit from behind, he would have never have been in the crease. That's you what to, you look for. You want me to so read my... Understand. So, so all I'm saying is this. The referees that have Madison Square Gardens losing their shit, you have five minutes left in, a, in an unbelievable game that's tied 3-3, and the refs don't want to be the guy that make the wrong decision. So it was they, like less than that. It was like three minutes left. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. Two minutes is a lot. So I, I like. So what are you saying? The thing is, how is that not going to Toronto? Why are we allowing refs that are in an, a hostile environment with emotions going through the roof? Why can this not go to Toronto? So they can make a proper, you know, proper angles. They can slow it down. There's no emotion. You got you got guys sitting behind uh, computers. Multiple people watching the same play, and then you come up with a collective decision on what is the right call, not giving it to the, the damn referees who got who have this little goddamn tablet and some uh, some headphones on and trying to make a, a decision on this goal. It's bullshit, man. My text to the group last night and in the group is uh, well, it doesn't matter. It's a it's a it's a good group chat, and I just said, I said Rangers got fucked on that interference goal. Guy, he, uh, he got pushed. This game should be over officiating in this league at an all-time low. I am so tired. I'm so tired of everybody making excuses for Again, the officiating. Again, is that on the refs? The refs should, I said this for years, no referee that makes a call, a judgment call, okay? Now, this is something that has to be reviewed. Just complaining about it being the ref's final call. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, yes, it is on no, the refs. I, it, it shouldn't be on the refs is what I'm saying. But, but it was. So, therefore, they made the wrong call. Played. Like, the rules are so skewed. The rules are so gray. There's no, like, it's just, it's such bullshit. Here's the way it should be. If. If a player is driving to the net and he gets touched by the defender and the Which player goes into the goalie, then yep. the goal should stand, period, because you period. shouldn't be able to make contact. If you have a step on a guy, then you have to let him go, period. It's kind of like, you yes. know what it reminds Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when, and we see this all the time in this league, you have a guy coming, driving wide, he takes a shot, and after he takes the shot, you get the defender who leans on him when he's off balance and pushes him, and he slides into the boards. We're going to have someone break their neck or their ankle doing that. Like, you shouldn't be able to make contact. You shouldn't be able to touch the guy. Use your feet and your body positioning, period. End of story. Like, you know, it's like, why, why would a player 
Okay, like your goaltending in Pittsburgh is suspect to begin with. By the way, good job on you, Louis Domain, coming in. That was an incredible story. Did you see the Rangers just kind of lob some shots on him to get a to feel it out, see if he was going to let a duster in? But yeah. my point is, why are you pushing a guy towards your goaltender in the first place? Trust that he's going to make the fucking save. Like no, you what? No, you 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 can't. You can't put that on the goaltender. That's the whole thing. I I understand what the defenseman did, okay, in in trying to push Kapokakinen off balance, but he pushed him in the ass. He propelled him forward, okay, and 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 Kapokakinen would not have touched the goaltender if he was not touched by the Pittsburgh defenseman. That is the whole. That is the whole thing in a nutshell. So how in the hell can these two guys, they've got a building that is absolutely losing their shit. They score with under five minutes left in the game in the third period. I'm watching what it you're right now. For, what you're looking for, it's very simple. Where is Kapokakinen making his direct cut across the net that's number one and number two they look at was he was he impeded was he pushed into the goaltender so the goaltender uh, would have had contact and both those things were i i'm not flying down he's flying down the wing and he starts to cut he starts to cut between the top of the circle and the dot on the right side of the net Okay, like he's actually right as he hits the top of the circle, his body is leaning yep. in with his with the stick out to angle off the defenseman because he knows there's a defenseman a few feet off his back left shoulder. Yep. Okay. And he's starting to reach with his stick. So what I want you to look at is so the this. defenseman's this is a left hand, they're time. both lefties. The, yep. the 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 defenseman is trying to reach with his stick and 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 you know angle the puck uh off of his blade, right? Okay. So he, he's, I want you to look at one thing. Yeah. I'm, I got it in slow I motion. I want here. you to look at his left skate. So when Capo Kakinen opens up the left skate is when you're going to make that direct cut in another direction across the crease. That's what you're looking for. You're looking for when is he opening up his left skate? He's seven, six feet from the top. Like, thank if you. This guy, if this guy never leans on him, he is pulling that puck across. Now you have Latang who's defending his guy, but also he's there to help out. But I think Kako, if if he doesn't get pushed, ends up just like doing like a shot, you know, just a quick shot. I don't think he's going to try to stuff this wide because Latang's there. But it's like, and he can't cut across because now you got the defenseman leaning on his ass. So he pushes him to the crease. It's I don't I don't understand what they're looking at. I just broke it down in 40 seconds. I could have been back at center ice as a ref saying, good goal, Rangers up 4-3, and there was three minutes and like 10 seconds. Three minutes and 10 seconds left on the clock. Yeah. Absolute, absolute garbage. Now, the other garbage incident was the... Uh, is it Lindgren, Lundgren, Lindgren, Ryan Lindgren? Yeah. Hit on Ricard Raquel. How do you go from assessing a five-minute penalty to a two-minute roughing? 
Is that the one I commented on? Yeah, you said great hit. It's a great hit. It's absolutely incredible. Can I respectfully? And you, dis- you, you disagree with me? I, I absolutely disagree with you. Holy jumping, man. Like, so if you're Ricardo, it's Raquel, a great hit in 1980, 1990, and the early 2000s. You are crazy. You are crazy. This hits all the stipulations of what you want in a solid check. He is literally crouched down. Go and look at the positioning of Lindgren. He is crouched down. His knees are bent. His head is up. And he explodes into the chest, into the chest. Like, I mean, I don't know what more, what more you would want in a body check. To me, Ricard Raquel, this is where, this is where I, I, I hear what you're saying. If Ricard Raquel had the puck on his stick and he was trying to drive wide and beat him wide, I would say you got what you deserved. You tried to beat like a, a, a an absolute thunder stick wide, and this guy likes to do this. This is very textbook beauty that you want to see a defenseman uh, hit. However, Ricard Raquel literally has the puck off of his stick seven feet from Lindgren. Okay, and right between the red line and the blue line. He's coming down the right wing boards. He's a right-hand shot. He throws it down the boards. Okay, Lindgren should have pivoted and gone back for the puck. But because it's the playoffs, he decides to lower the boom on a guy that literally is trying to go and forecheck his own dump in. This is a fucking blatant interference, blatant interference. And he's now out cold. Like not out cold. Oh God. Okay, fine. That's the point you want to emphasize. This is, this is as bullshit as it gets. It's a blatant it's, interference is, call. It's not a blatant interference call. He dumped the puck in. Be, be prepared. Like, Come on. You learn that on. when you're a kid. Don't, oh, don't look, just look, look, look. Sometimes, Craig, listen, listen. You don't have, like, when you're beat, and, and you just have to sit down and say, guy made a great, great case, argued a great case. I can't argue that. Yes, it's, it's textbook body contact, but it's the timing of it. Raquel doesn't have the puck. Like, you got to, we're trying to open the game up. We're trying to open the game up. We're trying to make guys use their feet and use their legs to chase down pucks and create speed and forecheck and offense. Like you don't interfere there. Maybe Pittsburgh gets in on a forecheck. Raquel, if 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 Lindgren has to pivot and go and get that puck, Raquel beats him to the puck. Raquel would would have beaten Panarin to the puck, who was just off of uh, Raquel's left shoulder, angling him into friggin' Lindgren. It's like Niedermeyer angling somebody into Stevens. It's like, what are we talking about here? That is as interference as it gets. And that's a five-minute major for interference, in my opinion. That is literally a perfect body check. And when you say he dumped the puck in, there is literally like a 1-1,000, and then he got hit. It wasn't a 1-1,000, 2-1,000, 3-1,000 hit. 
he dumped the puck in and less than a second later he got hit. You're telling me Lindgren couldn't have adjusted that? Don't tell he me. He could have. Yeah, he, he could have. But why would you? Because look what happens. Get your head up. Brace yourself. There's body contact in the game. It's still here. This Lindgren was coming on a diagonal position across the ice. He is in a crouched powerful position he is in a crouched powerful position once ricard raquel dumps the puck in there is a one one thousand okay and then lingren explodes into him he's got his legs bent his knees bent and he absolutely laced a guy who did not protect himself in that moment Raquel should not have to protect himself. Yes, He's already should. gotten rid of the. You no, should always. No, this have is to protect not. Yourself. This is not 1970. This is not 1970 where a guy can can blindside you. Okay, this isn't that. Is era that a blindside anymore. hit? Is that what you're saying? No, no. I'm using it as an example to the extreme because in 1970 this would be no issue. But in 1970 you could blindside a guy and nobody cared either. Okay, but so, we're not talking about blindside. This, so to we're me, talking this about is, a direct this, guy right in front of you. This is a this is a modern day like obviously it's not a blind side because it was in front of you but this is a this is a with where we're at now and what we know about head trauma and concussions and everything this hit is not necessary I love it if the guy has the puck that's when you say I oh, should have got rid of the puck sooner should have chipped it in like those are the comments you can make to a guy when he gets annihilated at the blue line like that very simple. When are we going to put the onus on the guy that has oh, the puck? He does. He didn't have the puck, Craig. Like that's the point I'm trying to make to you. The he, the the onus would have been on the puck it, on the puck carrier. You remember if when he hit you were him a little when, kid in St. Catharines? You had a bunch of your coaches. Coaches when you were like, well, I don't know, when did you start playing hockey? When you were five, six, six? Yeah. Okay. The, uh, so, league. what did they teach you when you were young? Keep your head. When up. you're carrying the puck, you have your head up. Okay. And then as you got older and you moved the puck, you always wanted to have your head up because then you could see the ice and see what's going on around you. And then as you got older, you know, 13 years old, body contact came into to effect. And now you became a player that you needed to have your head up or you would get hurt. Okay. And you, and you learn this from a very, very early age. Well, in this instant, Ricard Raquel skates down the ice. A very sure. simple, a very simple play. Craig. He dumps a cross ice dump. Why did he? Why did he dump it? Textbook. Why did he dump it? Because that's what you do. No, but why did he dump it? Because he, he had it. his head up. Because he had his head up, and he knew he was going to get killed. But no, then he, he dumps he the puck. Get killed. Oh, come! Apparently, he did Craig, not know he was going to get killed. Craig, he didn't there. brace himself. He, he should watched. He watched his cross ice dump, and he paid for it. I don't, watch I, your, don't watch your dump. You, you are, gotta have your you know, what I, senses tingling all the time. This you, is the playoffs, especially. You think you're not going to get hit? He, this, I would be sit. I, I would be agreeing with you on all aspects if this was a dirty hit. It's not a dirty hit. It's. I didn't say it's a dirty hit. I said it's a late hit. Like it's it, not a late hit. That I'm arguing that too. It, it, it's he, not a late hit. Well, then I guess I guess body check for the sake of for the sake of literally not going around and round and round and round. We're going to have to agree to disagree on this because it's 
I mean, it is flat out, in my opinion, it's a five-minute penalty. And suspension, I don't know where the principal point of contact is. I don't know if it's right below his chin on the chest. I don't, I mean, Man, he has this, this. I'm watching the play. I'm watching. I'm looking when at they it right now, too. Puck. I'm watching when they move the puck. When he dumps that puck in, he knows that he's actually going to get hit. He knows he's going to get hit. He actually braces himself. The thing is, it's the angle in which Lindgren took to make the body check. He was almost coming across the ice like a diagonal. No, I think he believed he dumped it in to give himself an an amount of time to not get hit. And I'm okay with that. I don't think that's bailing out. It's Ricard Raquel. He's like, he's one of the, they, they made a big move for him at the deadline to bring him in. I mean, he's not looking to go out and try to steamroll somebody. He so actually he, braces himself. He braces himself. He just got hit by, by, uh, by a stronger player and caught him. Really, he didn't catch him in the head. It was not a head, head contact at all. Yeah, this well, was a perfect hit by Lindgren. And we just I, uh, need to leave it at that because this is going to happen. Like when we're talking dirty hits, when we're talking late hits, when we're talking hits that players cannot see coming, like the Kyle Clifford, where you were you were livid with Kyle Clifford the other day in the first game in, in the Toronto Tampa Bay. You are so pissed off at that play. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to argue this one because I agree because Kyle Clifford, I don't think his, his intentions on that hit was to hurt anybody. Okay. Kyle Clifford came and made a body check in the corner, started to back check the play. The problem is he hit a player in a vulnerable position. The player did not know the hit was coming and he almost hit him from the side. He didn't, he didn't crush him or, or, you know, this terrible, terrible hit, but it was a dangerous hit. This here is not a dangerous hit. Petey Lindgren is in a position where Ricard Raquel sees him the entire time. The dump in was made. Ricard Raquel actually braces himself for contact, but he just got hit hard. I think, I, you know, I, I don't think we should be looking at this saying this is a, this is a dangerous play and we need it out of hockey because this is always going to be in hockey. It's a clean hit. I'm fine with can- this. I'm uh, well, well, I'm fine with this play in hockey. If the guy has the puck, but listen, once these players that like to hit like this, your Gudis, your your Lingrens, your guys like that, and your Samuelsons need to be aware too because he, you know, he likes to step up on guys. Darlene likes to do this too sometimes. Like you can't, you have to be able to to process right away when that player gets rid of the puck and how far away he is from you even though you you have him lined up like it's the, in this particular instance the onus was on and you know me you Craig you know me I I try to be very uh consistent with my opinions on these kinds of hits all right because I know I under I've been killed at center ice and I've been killed when it's a late hit and I've been killed when it's perfectly timed and Sometimes you just got to be like, dude, that's on me. And sometimes you got to say that guy should have, that guy should have laid up there. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's, it's just simple. And you as- just, you just, you feel with this hit that, that, that Lindgren should not be taking the body on this play is what you're saying. 
I don't think he should. You know what? Even if he wants to stop and let Ricard kind of Raquel run into him, like not even run into him, but just kind of like slow him down. That's one thing. But but he didn't he didn't go there to slow him down. He went there to kill him, and that's and that's the problem. You know, and he had kill in his mind as soon as he saw him skating down the boards. And he never got that out of his head. He's just, he stayed in that mindset and Ra- Ra- Raquel dumped the puck and it's interference. It's interference. And I want the it's, Rangers it's, to win this series, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I want the okay. Rangers to well, win. Well, listen, this I mean, let's, let's, uh, I, I, I understand ha- your point. Let's what happened to, to uh, on this because I think it's fantastic what, what okay. he just did. This is okay. playoff hockey. I don't even care if it's playoff hockey. This is, this should be happening in, in the regular season. I, I think when you, well, when you look at certain players, okay. When you look at certain players play the game, you have to understand who you're on the ice against. And that's what's that's what's great about the game of hockey is you have to identify who you're playing against. Okay. And um I think it was a, I think it was a really, really strong check by by Lingren. But you know what? I hope Ricard Raquel is 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 uh okay. I hope he's back next game because I'm gonna tell you, I watched the entire game. This is the game I watched, and they were buzzing. They were buzzing. The, 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 the Rangers were absolutely flying at times. And then all of a sudden it was all Pittsburgh. And then it bounced back to the Rangers. It was like amazing. There's a lot game. of, there's a lot of uh, star power on, on both sides. And uh, Sid, the kid, man, that's all I'm going to say. How about, how about Latang? How about Latang? Guy's superhuman. Guy's absolutely superhuman. I mean, he he is he's he's something else. I mean, 46, 46 minutes of hockey last night, and he looked like he was just starting the game. It's unbelievable. He's forty. He's thirty five years old. He's been in the league a long time. He's had a lot of injuries. He's he's had a lot of of uh, playoff hockey. Chris Letang is something special. He he is he is world class. So anyway. Can I ask you a question without, uh, I don't want to be an antagonist. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just, I'm asking, did you see the play uh, in the Florida game? Yep. Yeah. Listen, I I'm not uh, picking on anybody. It just, no, you, know, you can pick you it, listen it happened I mean, and it's a, it's a shit instant incident that occurred for Mac Weger. Tough play. Yep. Hands up in the back of the neck. Who's nets off does the old bird man and, Listen, I mean, that's, this is uh playoffs, you know, teams are, you're, you're talking, uh, the best 16 teams in the national hockey league. And, uh, guess what? 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, those teams, those teams are exceptionally good. Okay. Um, last night when watching Florida, when watching, um, Washington, I mean, Washington is a dangerous team. They're, they have a really solid makeup of veteran hockey players that know how to win. I look at Florida, and they're a little bit green in the sense that, you know, Barkoff, Huberdo, um, even even uh, Claude Giroux, uh, Declare, Bennett. I mean, you go through their team, Verstegi, um, they they have a lot of guys that have <laughs> prestige. It's Ver, they, have a, they have a lot of guys. Verhag, Verhag, Verhag or Verhaggy. I think it's Verhag, yeah. but Verstig is long out of league. Yeah, they have a lot of guys that have just not been in a playoff 
format, like where the intensity is higher, the, um, you know, when you make mistakes, they seem to be glorified. Okay. And, uh, listen, I don't think that Florida played their best hockey game. I really don't. I think that Washington played a really strong road game. They know how to, they know how to do it. They know how to play. They're very patient. Okay. And they wait for their opportunities. And I just think right now, when you look at Florida, they have an insane amount of firepower. Okay. They have a very strong uh, defense core. And I'm going to tell you this, Sergey Bobrovsky played absolutely he did. fantastic yeah, he did. last night. Yes, because he did. Because the game was 4-2, but it could have been like 7-2. He made so, some incredible saves. Florida's got to figure it out. they got to figure just, out their shit. I just want to make it clear between you and me, okay? Just give you a little better understanding as to, you know, my character say what you want about my character <laughs> but i'm going to say this i want if 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 florida panthers were minus one player on their roster i would have taken the washington capitals but because your cousin is mac weger okay i picked florida because when i picked florida the other day i said to elliot i go i said you have to watch out for Washington. I think they're sneaky good, and I think that they're going to – I think they could surprise some people. I'm not – don't throw the towel in on TJ Oshie. Don't throw the towel in on Kuznetsov. Don't throw the towel in on Backstrom and Ovi. You know what I mean? And I – and I – I, you know, if – it was loyalty. It was my – They don't have have any nerves. That's what it's all about. They have no nerves. I was loyal – to the Florida Panthers, and that's why I picked the Panthers. So I was loyal to you and your bloodlines. But, but I'm not surprised by this result at all. Yeah, at all. Uh, I, know, am. I, I am. I'm not. I'm not. Because and, uh, I had the opportunity. I've watched. I've watched Florida all year. I've watched them all year long, and they are they are one of the strongest teams I have ever seen assembled in the National Hockey League. And when I say star power at the high end with Barkoff, Huberto, Claude Giroux, and then there's supporting staff, and I'm talking supporting staff. You got Sam Reinhardt who scored uh, 30 goals this year. Um, you know, you have Burnett, you have Declare, you have Ver, uh, Versteeg. Um, I mean, by Burnett, do you mean Bennett? Bennett. Okay. Um, you get what I'm saying. Like, I mean, they have elite defenseman and Aaron Eckblad who played his first game in over two months, you know, plus they have, uh, they have guys they're They're strong in the defense core and they're strong in nets. Do you like, want to talk I, about how all in Florida just, is to win and this? I'm, I'm just going to tell you this, 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 this is a, this is a bump in the road right now. A very important game is going to be the next game for the Florida Panthers. They need to as a as an entire unit because they're going to win not with just Huberto, Barkoff, and Giroux playing together and playing well. They're going to win games when their second, third, and fourth lines continue to push and overwhelm the lines on Washington. 
And that's when you're going to see Florida Panthers take off. But I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about them. They won 58 games this year. 58. This is a very strong hockey team. Did they play their best? No. They did not play their best hockey. They know it. They're going to be the ones that uh, look themselves in the face and say, we can play a lot better. There's no panic here. Let's just go out and play. Yeah. Okay. I know. So, and yeah. do you want to talk about how all in, and there's a player I need to highlight from the Florida Panthers, by the way, because when I, when we flipped over to watch the Panthers game, I'm going to tell you there was one guy that, oh my God, he f- was flying around out there and we're just kind of like, who was that? We couldn't see the number. And then all of a sudden you see, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you who he is in a minute, but do you want to talk about him? how all pardon? He's by far, him? by far the best player on the ice last night for Florida. By far. Uh, well, there's two guys to me. I think that 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 stuck out to me in in the way that. Give they me the played. first one. Who stuck out the most? Well, I again, he he's a fourth line guy, and it it was Ryan no, Lomberg. He no, was no, he no, was wrong guy. he was yes, he did moving and grooving. The other guy that I noticed that I liked his game was was uh, Sam Bennett. Anthony Duclair. Okay. Oh my God. I didn't, I don't think I realized he could skate that fast. Like I knew he was fast, but oh my God, I had no idea he was that fast. He, anyway, do you want to talk about how all in the Panthers are? Have you seen, have you gone to their cap friendly at all lately and looked at their first round picks and second round picks over the next three years? Yes, I have no first round picks for the next three years. One second round pick next year in the next three years. Yep. Yeah. So that's about as, that's so about as 2022, as you get. 2022, they do not have a first rounder. They do not have a second rounder. In 2023, they do not have a first round draft pick, but they have a second round draft pick. No third round draft pick. In 2024, they do not have a first rounder. They do not have a second rounder. They have gone all in. This is the year for the Florida Panthers to get this done because the other thing you have to realize with this team is they just recently signed Alexander Barkov to a new contract. He's making, he's going to be making $10 million next year. They have Sam Reinhardt who they brought in who makes 6.5 Jonathan Huberdeau who is second in scoring this year. Okay. He's got one more year at $5.9 million. How much money is Jonathan Huberdeau? They have to re-sign Jonathan Huberdeau this summer. They have to. Because they can't allow him, on the strength of this hockey team, they can't allow him to go and sign another, uh, uh, have another year of over, over 100 points because he's going to price himself out of the market, even in Florida, unless he takes this ultimate hometown discount. So they're going to have to try and get him signed to a contract in Florida. And I think, me personally, I think that he will sign there. He's going to sign probably for the same contract is what Alexander Barkov is making, which is $10 million a year. But you know, when you have two $10 million players, or actually, I shouldn't say that, there's three $10 million players because you have Sergey Bobrovsky making $10 million as a goalie. It's, uh, 
That's three guys making $30 million. That's a large, large chunk of your salary cap. So they're going to be in, they're going to be in cap hell very soon. Moving over to the night to the West here. That's an interesting series series to watch though. I mean, I, I, you know, Washington coming out and winning that game was, that was massive for them. Um, We'll get into Dallas Calgary, but I mean, you didn't even have to tune into the Colorado game. It was over by the end of the first period. Well, that's the thing. I watched, I watched like ten or or twelve minutes of the first period, and it was like three nothing. And then I just turned it off. I'm like, like, holy jumping! Like, you know, Saros was one of the top goaltenders in the league this year for Nashville. He is now injured. Now they are in a situation where goaltending in the playoffs is essential. If you do not have it, you have no chance. And what, what am I going to say? Do you think they missed them? Do you think Nashville missed Saros? Their number one goaltender? You would think so. Because as much as the goals, there were some nice goals that were scored some of these goals are savable and you need saves. If you're in the playoffs, you need your goaltender to give you an opportunity to stay in games to have success. And I mean, it was just like the floodgates completely open five, nothing in the first period. Can we just talk about Kale McCarr's stats for a second? Have you ever, have you ever looked at these things? I'm going to give you, I'm going to, don't look them up. Don't, don't look. I already know. I already know what they are. He had 20, I'm going to say he had 28 goals and I think he had 80. I'm going to say 87 points. Okay. So you're, 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 you're looking at it. 86 points, 77 games, but it's not even this. 28, 28. Listen, listen to this in 178 career games. How many points does he have? In, in how many? 178 career regular season games. 178. How many points does he have? Well, he's been over, I think he's been over a point a game. He was not. How many over, years has he been in the league? Three years. Like, he is three not, years. He is not. He was not over a point a game his first year. He was a point a game his second year. So I'm going to say 194. Lower. Points. 180 points in 178 games as a defenseman. First three years in the league. Now, so I had a guy text me this morning. 36 okay. playoff games, 34 playoff points. Yep. So this is, uh, I had uh, someone text me this morning. I unfortunately left my, my ringer on or my, so I had my alarm set. And before my alarm went off today, I heard a, Bing. Yeah, we hear it during the show. So I pick up my phone, I check it out, and the guy that texted me this morning, he said, got one question. Kale McCarr or Darlene? Question mark. Who you take? And I'm like, <laughs> is that like what are you what are you asking me here? Do you want is he setting me up? Um, you know, right now it's, I don't, I don't think that's, that's fair. 
I don't think it's fair. And I love Kale McCarr. I, I think Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the National Hockey League. Tell me right now that tell me right now that you're gonna say Darlene over McCarr. Tell me. Tell me. I'm not. Okay. Okay. I'm not. Okay. Good. But I think it's I think it's completely unfair. I think it's completely unfair. Do you think they're even remotely similar as players? I think Darlene is not even Darlene is is not even he is as mobile as Makar is fast, but Makar blows him out of the water in a skating race. Um okay. Like like Darlene is is ridiculously mobile. He's like to use your he's like a slinky. That's your definition for him. And I you know But again, I feel I feel it's a very unfair question because I I I look at Kale McCarr and he has done marvelous things in the National Hockey League. Number one, he's two years older. Okay, let's get this straight. He's two years older than Rasmus Dahlin. And in these young years, that means a lot. Would okay. you agree? Okay, yes. Okay, so he's two years older. So you know, Kale McCarr is Rasmus Dahlin two years from now going to have 28 goals and 86 points. If no. I were to tell you, could, is it possible? No. Okay. I, I, I believe it is possible. Okay. But that's For just Dahlin that's to just score me. 28 goals and have yes. 86 points. Yes. I think that in, in two years from now, I think that how many points do you have this year? 50. This, this was a this was a bottom five team in the National Hockey League, like literally a bottom five team for almost the entire year. At one point, we were the worst team in the league. Okay, and he was the worst defenseman in the league at one point. Oh, holy shit balls! You take Kale McCarr and you stick him the last three years in in Buffalo. Fifty three points in eighty games. Oh, just fifty three. I didn't say just fifty three. I said fifty three. I'm just, I'm just saying just 53. He had 53 points on a team that is nowhere near Colorado. Nowhere near them. You have Mika Rantanen. You have Langeskog. You have Nate McKinnon. You have Kadri. It's like you go down the line. They are stacked. He plays with the same line every single game. He plays with Kale McCarr or, uh, um, Langeskog, he plays with uh, Mika Rantanen. How many points did Mika Rantanen have this year? Do you know? Uh, I got it right here. I have it right here. He had 92 points in 75 games. 92 points in 75 games. 92 points in 75. Was he the leading scorer on the team? Uh, Well, he... He would not have been, but yes, he was. So he wouldn't have been. So who would have been the, the leading point McKinnon producer? played 10 less games, had four less points. So McKinnon had 88 points in 65 games, 32 goals, okay? If he would have played the extra 17 games, he would have had a, 110 points. We have Tage Thompson, who is our leading point producer this year, and he didn't even have 70. Do you understand? Nazem yeah. Kadri had 87. 
Yeah, I, I get, I get all that. I get, I get it. 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 Landis Scott had fifty nine points, fifty nine points in fifty one games. He missed thirty one games this year. He would have been ninety five points. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, everybody's sitting there looking at Kale McCarr saying he is a wizard, and I am going to take nothing away from this young man. He is brilliant. He is a brilliant skater. His hockey IQ, his everything. He is fantastic. But you can't sit there right now and compare Rasmus Dahlin to to a to a Kale McCarr. Where if Kale McCarr, why do you ever have to compare them? Because I I got asked this this morning. I got asked this morning. I know, and I'm putting that question aside for a second, and I'm just saying, okay, to the person that messaged you, or even for this conversation, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about. I want to argue against you. I want to, but I don't want to make it sound like Darlene is is chopped liver. So, you you know, with where Darlene's game went, and we're going to do our grades tomorrow with Brian Gianta, our season-ending grades. Um, with where Darlene has gone and how he's been playing. You know, they both can be dominant in their own way. I don't see Darlene getting the points that you're talking about, but may- maybe he does. I mean, I just feel like Makar is more of a more electrifying player, flying down the wing, there's, there's tight turns. Three guys. There is three players, four players, okay, that Kale Makar goes on the power play with every single game. One of them would have over 100 points. You would have Mika Rantanen would be close to 100 points because he missed seven games this year and needed how many points for, for, for 100? I mean, the team that Kale McCarr is on is like a dream. You can't tell me that Rasmus Dahlin running the power play from the point would not go and get 25 more points a year on that power play? I don't know if he would or he wouldn't. Do you uh, not okay. think that? Do you not think that five on five playing with Rantanen, McKinnon, and Langbeskog that Rasmus Dahlin every single shift that he's out there would not get fifteen more points a year playing with five his on with five his with passing ability? No question, he could get, he could have well, fifty assists. Okay, but assists, what I'm saying maybe. is you you look at you look at uh, Rasmus Dahlin with what he's dealing with. He's playing some games. He's playing, you know, on the he's playing on a line where he's 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 defending against the best lines in the league. Okay, but he's on the line with Peyton Krebs, who's a rookie, who's twenty years old. Dylan Cousins, who's second year in the league, he's twenty years old, and you got Vinny Hinnestroza, who's a very solid player in this league, but you know he's not he's not an elite player in this league. That's who Rasmus Dahlin's out with. All right. All right. I well, think Rasmus Dahlin has a completely different level to his game if he was on a different team. So what I'm saying is you have, you have to end the conversation because they're both absolutely insanely fantastic. And if I had to pick one, I would pick Kale McCarr. I would pick Kale McCarr just because what he's doing right now. I mean, how, how do you not pick Kale McCarr? But I look at Rasmus Dahlin, and I think he is absolutely world-class. And if he was on the ice every single game, on the, every single power play with the, some of the best players in the National Hockey League, I think his point totals would be 30 points more. And that puts him at 80-some points a well, year. We'll see. We'll, Colorado's going to be a prime example of if that's the kind of firepower you need to win a championship. It'll be interesting. 
It'll be very, very interesting to see with all that firepower how far they go. I don't think Nashville's the the truest of tests, but you know what? It's coming. Their test is coming. I don't know which one it's going to be, but we'll see. We'll see what they're definitely made of. Um, I want to get in more to a Sabres conversation, but let's just wrap up the playoff conversation with Calgary-Dallas. one nothing game. I got home from my brother's. I shut off. I turned on the TV because I left at the intermission, the OT intermission, and then I came back and the Rangers game was over, so I was pissed, so I went to bed. But it was one nothing when I looked at the Calgary game and it stayed one nothing. so I'm glad I didn't stay up to to watch for any differences. But feisty game. What a game. Feisty a game. game. You know, I, I, uh, I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> And I, I, I'm going to go off on a, on a, tan, you know, on a, on a different thought here, but I'm just watching, I'm watching the Rangers and I'm watching them play. I'm watching their defense core. I'm watching their forward line, man, the Sabres are in, in their moving in the right direction. I really, really do believe that. Now, the one thing that the Sabres are missing right now is one of these guys, and I don't know who it's going to be, and it's probably not going to be maybe even next year, but in in short time, there's going to be a player out of this group that is going to emerge as an elite player in the National Hockey League. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if Tage Thompson um, next year is going to propel his game to be a 92-point player and a 45-goal guy. I don't know if, you know, Jack Quinn is going to come onto the scenes and explode in his rookie season and do something that is mind-boggling to all of us. I don't know if he can do that. I don't know if J.J. Paterka is going to be the best player out of all of them. But we need somebody to emerge as that player. Because right now we have a lot of great young talent. You can go Dylan Cousins, Krebs, and, and Tuck. Even Tuck's a young guy. Thompson. Are we, you just are we go, talking Calgary, Dallas right now? No, we're talking. I, I wanted to. I, I went off on a, on a little tangent because I'm watching. I'm watching the Rangers, and I'm like, I look at what they have, and I look at what we have, and I'm like, we are absolutely going in the right direction. It is. I love what I see from this team moving forward because I think that we have incredible pieces. And and we were talking about this before the show. We're like. Are the Sabres going to make the playoffs next year? And what did you say? Uh, I, that's, I mean, that's not exactly how the conversation went, but I mean, it, like I, I said, because we, well, we're, we're going to talk about Kevin Adams' comments yesterday and addressing goaltending and adding a defenseman and captaincy and, you know, off-season moves potentially and what he said on the show with us. And I said, I said this... I said, the way it looks is that this, and anything can happen. And I did say that. That's how I ended it. I said, they could limp in. I said, but it doesn't look like the Sabres are going to make the playoffs next year. And what did I say after that? You don't even remember. You want to, you want to recall our own conversation, but you don't remember. I said, that's why I'm asking you. I said, and that is totally fine with me. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
That is totally acceptable. And I don't mean. And why, why is that acceptable to you? Just so, you know, I understand it. And the people that are listening understand why are you, because we've, we've missed the playoffs for 11 years. it, It won't be 12 years. It's like, you have, you can't add all the years up and say it's been 12 years. You have to look at from the time Kevin Adams started to turn. Okay. And it started just after, after uh, Ralph Kruger left. I mean, to be honest with you, like the, the, the players were playing differently and it really started uh, this year for sure. But I mean, I said it's I said it's acceptable because you are still missing crucial pieces and you don't want to go and sell the farm now to go and try to add to your lineup to fill those pieces in. See, because do you feel that you have the, the it, lineup is still a little bit too green? It's still to a work in next- progress. Yes. Okay. It's still a work in progress. I mean And we're not talking Tage Thompson. We're not talking Tuck or Skinner. We're talking Quinn. We're talking Paterka. players. Like, yeah, the Quinn Paterka. We're talking Dylan Cousins. Yep, Dylan Cousins. Casey Middlestad where- missed a yes. whole season. Yes, Cohen Krebs. Power needs a whole season. Yes, yes. Um, Samuelson needs, a, needs full a full season. season. You need to find goalies, but you don't want to go and acquire and sell the farm for goaltending. If Anderson wants to come back and you want to bring back Subban. Perfect. See what you have in Malcolm Subban. If not, if you don't have a goal, you got a fucking anthem singer. So, like, yeah, yeah. My point is, is like, see what you have in these guys. Kevin well, Adams, no Levi, no Levi coming out of college. No, no Portillo coming out of they college. They weren't gonna be the saviors here anyway no, next year. No, no, no. Right? I'm just so, saying. I'm just saying. And I'm in, not what, saying that to you. I'm saying that to the people that think that it's catastrophic. Yes. Um, it's concerning Pertillo does not want to come out. That to me is very concerning. It's concerning to me, very concerning to me that Ryan Johnson, our first, first, uh, round draft pick 31st overall, a couple years ago acquired in the Ryan. He was the pick used from the Ryan O'Reilly trade from St. Louis yes. at 31 overall. Yes. I, I that's concerning to me. Because I think, you know, our young core, our young group of players, the the Owen Powers, um, you know, even even guys like um, Fitzgerald, guys like Bryson, guys like uh, Samuelson, Darlene, they're all playing. They're all super young guys. There is going to be an opportunity for that young guy to play. Okay, that's it's going to be he's going to have opportunity to play in the minors, but I'm going to tell you this. I think that he looks at this and says, I'm going to have a great opportunity to continue to improve as a young player. And why would I want to be in Montreal or Buffalo? Because there's no future for me here. There's already all of these young guys that are already in the Sabres lineup. There's, you know, guys like Fitzgerald guys like, um, you know, Samuelson and, and there's, there's so many young guys under the age of 23. Okay. And he's probably sitting there going, this is not the right spot for me. So my, my spidey senses 
I'm not happy that he is not coming out of college. He's going to go back for his fourth year and he's going to become an unrestricted free agent. He's going to be able to sign anywhere in the National Hockey League. And you're talking about Johnson, correct? Ryan Johnson. Yeah, he's a left-hand shot. Where where do you fit him? You have Darlene. He has Power. no spot here. He has in, no in, spot in here. And and he's not playing a bottom six role. And and guess what? We want him in the minors because now we control him. Now we control his destiny and where he's going to be moved. We're going to be moving him. Most likely he's going to be trade bait, a trade chip. But it's concerning to me that Portillo, he looks at Uka Pekalukinen. Okay. Uka Pekalukinen is only what, 23 years old? You have Eric Portillo, who's 22. He's going to come to the minors and he's going to say, Yeah, I'll be the, I'll be the the one of the number one guys in the minors. But what about this Devin Levi guy? So he's probably looking at it saying, I don't like where I'm sitting in the depth chart. Kevin Adams in his, in his uh, end of the year meeting, he didn't talk about Pertillo. He talked about Devin Levi, though. Everybody's talking about Devin Levi. So that's concerning to me when you're not having these guys come out of, come out of college. Uh, I'm just looking here. Uh, you know where Ryan Johnson's going to go next year? You know where he's going to sign? Minnesota. No, uh, maybe, but no. He's from Irvine, California. Anaheim. I remember it's 25 minutes from Anaheim, and when I coached against him, he was playing for the Anaheim Ducks. He was a defenseman on the okay. Ducks yeah, uh, when I was coaching 16U. They won the no national brainer. championship that year. And they need and him. They absolutely need him. He's going to be what? A how old is uh, uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Johnson? He would be twenty. Born July twenty fourth, so he'll be he'd be twenty two. He'll be twenty one this summer. He'll be twenty two when he would be able to sign and play in the NHL after uh, he goes to unrestricted free agency. Yeah, concerning. So for me, it's. Uh, you know, you're looking at the, those are those are trade chips when you're looking this summer at tinkering with your roster and trying to trying to make moves. I think Ryan Johnson needs to be in. Listen, I don't I don't I'm just hypothetically speculating. I have no idea what the hell's going on. I don't know the conversations that were ha- that that are being had with, you know, Ryan Johnson and Eric Portillo's agents with Kevin Adams and where they feel they sit on the depth chart moving forward. Um, and Kevin's not going to ever in a million years express or tell anybody about the conversations that are happening behind closed doors. For me, I just look at, if you're Ryan Johnson and you see what you have in the Sabres lineup, just in the Sabres lineup right now, not even talking about the guys that are still in the minors, there's not a lot of opportunity for Ryan Johnson as a defenseman here. And that's what I'm saying to you. Who is it concerning for? The Sabres or Johnson? Because, you it's, know, it's yeah. because Johnson's going to go back to college. He's got one more year and then he holds. I, all I know. I know. I know. But I mean, it's, you know, he still has to go back and play one more year. He still has to have a good year. He still has to be injury free. He still has to, you know, where the Sabres are sitting there going like, you know, what's amazing is that even if he does walk, it's not, it, it sucks for the Sabres. It does because you're losing a first round pick. 
you know, that you got in the O'Reilly deal, one more piece of the, then the only piece you get from the O'Reilly deal is Tage Thompson, which is turning out to be a nice little, nice little piece in the deal. But this was also, but, but not enough. And this, and and Ryan Johnson, you know, is still, you know, one of those pieces in the deal. So, I mean, yes, it's concerning, but I look at it from the standpoint of Sabres, like they don't, I'm not going to say they don't need them or don't want them, but I mean, it's nice to know that, that there isn't space for him. Cause if there was space for Ryan Johnson right now, that would be more concerning for this franchise going forward because he's coming right out of college and you have a spot for him. There should be no spots when you have no spots available for these guys. That's when you have a deep team. That's my point. Yep. Totally agree. And you know, Ryan Johnson is a very solid hockey player. Um, in his own right, he's an exceptionally good skater. Um, but you know, he's not, he's not lighting the lamp in, uh, D one hockey, but I don't think that's his game. You know, the scouting report on him is his good positioning, good first pass, all that stuff, you know, and he, he chips in here or there with some points. I think he scored a big goal in, uh, in the frozen four or something like that, but I mean, he's yep. not he's not known for being a, a point-producing freak. What'd you think about the captaincy conversation since we're on the Sabres conversation? What'd you think about what uh, it sounds like Kyle Oposo could be the captain next year? It's going to be, listen, I mean, anybody you talk to and you talk leadership on this team, that's not even if you're talking captaincy. Take captaincy out of it. When you talk leadership, Kyle Poso's name, Zemgus Gergensen's name, they're the two elder statesmen. They've been in the league a very long time. Kyle Poso's name comes up as the, as he, he's like the grandfather, okay? He is a calming influence, not only on the ice, but off the ice. Anybody who has met Kyle Poso, okay? Anybody who has met him in person? Anybody who has had the opportunity to sit down and have a, a simple conversation with Kyle Poso, you understand not only he's got leadership qualities, but he is an exceptionally good person. He's a very intelligent, very, very intelligent guy. He's a family man. And he cares. He wants to be here in Buffalo. He wants to work through the tough times that are happening here in Buffalo. And he wants to be part of the solution. So when you have a young core of hockey players that get to interact on a daily basis where Kyle Poso has never, ever, ever been a guy in a locker room that feels that he is bigger and better and has a bigger voice than anyone else. He wants everybody to feel comfortable with speaking their mind. I don't care if it's a rookie because things have changed. Back in the day when I played, if you were a rookie, you didn't say anything. If you were a three-year player in the league, you didn't say anything. Right, Petey? Uh, that's how I remember it. So you said if you changed. said anything as a second-year guy, you were called a two-year tenure. Two-year two year tenure. Oh, there he right? is. Two-year tenure. Yeah. You guys had even a guy. You, you guys had a guy stepping up. Four-year guy. 
You, you were guys a had a guy. Four-year guy. You were called yeah. a two-year tenure. You guys had a guy in the Sabers who was getting a young guy who was vocal. You know, who was a vocal player in his second year, and you guys presented him. You wrapped a stick in tinfoil and gave him a thousand-game stick, and he played like fifty games. And I guess who it was? You don't need to guess. I don't we remember. Don't, we don't Did need I? to name names. We don't because he's a friend of ours. It's just a funny joke, you know. Uh, you know I, but hey, maybe. Maybe he was like that because he felt comfortable because I helped him with his comfort. And so did you. Yeah. I think, I think having you in his corner made him feel a little more comfortable. I think he, I, yeah. Yeah. I think he did, but he was you know, a good guy. And I like that. He's a I great liked, guy. Uh, um, that being said, going back to the conversation of, of captaincy, you know, listening to, you know, Kevin Adams speak, he was asked, he was asked a few different occasions about, you know, naming a captain and listen, I mean, Don Granado and Kevin Adams know exactly who their leadership group is. Okay. And most teams in the league have a leadership leadership group. Kyle Poso is, is right at the forefront of, of that group. The question is, is do they want to name, do they want to name Kyle Poso captain of the team? Or do they want to name a captain that will be a long-standing captain here and Kyle Oposo is going to support that? Because everybody knows that in the locker room right now, Kyle Oposo is the captain of the team. Okay, I'll tell you what I would do. Okay? okay. We can speculate all we want, but I'll tell you what I would do. Okay? Kyle Oposo has what? One more year left? Yes. Okay. He has one more year left, and I don't know what his situation is after that, but I'll tell you what. He definitely has a future in management on this team if he wants it, in my opinion. that But that's what I would do. I'm not saying that for certainty. But what I would do is with what he's been through with this organization, okay, over the six years of his contract, I think it was, um, I remember the day we were doing the live show down at the uh, car dealership, the day that he signed on July 1st. If you recall, we were super pumped about it. Absolutely. I drove, Absolutely. I drove that uh, moped up the side of a car. Do you remember? I didn't know how to think, how to hit the brakes and I revved the engine and I had to literally pick up the moped as it's driving up the side of a Subaru and fucking bring it down sideways. <laughs> One of the craziest Moments. Hey, can I can I try driving your moped? Yeah, Petey gets on a moped and oh guns the thing, and he's doing about. I don't even know how fast you were going. Like I don't know 15, how fifteen maybe. You were, you were going. You were going extremely fast. You didn't know how to stop the bike, so you were gonna ram it headfirst into into a the car. Subaru. The Subaru. And at the last minute, you yanked the front of the bike and it rode up. Yeah, it's revving. Up. It's revving as it's going up the side of the car. <laughs> and we're doing a signing. We're doing a signing at this car dealership. And the guys that own the car dealerships, their eyes and their mouths were just wide open. Like, holy shit, did that just happen? I was like that too. I had to bring in a check to pay for the damage of the car. I guess so. Hey, all my so anyway, my, all my appearance, money, all my appearance money went into that Subaru. 
<laughs> but anyway, we that's the day that we signed Kyle Oposo. So anyway, he's been through so much. He's got one more year. Give him the recognition. Tuck would be a great choice for captain. I think he's our captain in the future. But even, even a guy like Tuck, who's only been here half a year, really, since January when he was inserted in the lineup, even he would understand if a guy like Kyle Oposo got the C for, for a year. And, and then on top of that, I said, there's no way I'm bringing Oposo back at $6 million. But if he goes out and gets you... 40 points again or 18 goals or something like that and and yeah you know 40 points you know i'd bring him back at a at a at a much reduced uh cost um if he wants to play anymore but otherwise move him into management but i just think throw the c on him and that takes away the pressure of having to choose between tuck Darlene, again, you got to keep your got to keep your stars happy you know the old leadership group we talked about this the other day so Oposo's, you're not hurting anybody's feelings if you give it to Kyle Oposo. How about that? Yeah, but I mean, picking a captain, you shouldn't have people's uh, feelings hurt. I, I, I think it, it, you know, my, my, Kyle Oposo is the captain of this hockey team. Zemgus Gergensen is a captain of this hockey team. These are two guys that have been in the league a very long time. They understand the market. They understand the team and they love the team more than anything. Those are two guys that you could, without question, they are going to be in the leadership group. The question that you're asking is, are you going to, are you going to name a captain now? And I think a captaincy in the national hockey league has changed quite a bit over the last 10 years. Okay, there are no more Mark Messiers, a singular leader that is so dominant in the dressing room that he is like, I mean, he is like a a god. There's no Steve Eisermans anymore. There's no Joe Sackicks anymore. Now you're presented with with top end players. But there's a group of players. Okay, there's a group of leadership guys. I think with the Sabres right now is I do not think that there is a rush to name a captain. I'm telling you, I I, I watched what I love about end of the year meetings more than anything is you get to watch the evolution of, of the maturity in these players. When you listen to Rasmus Dahlin, did you listen to his interview? 20 minutes I listened to this kid talk. He is a completely different young man, a completely different young man than what he was when he came here at 18 years old. He is a much more mature person. He's a much more mature player. And you can tell that they asked him a question, you know, have you ever been a leader before? And he's like, yeah, when I played against my own age, he goes, I haven't played against my own age for you know, six years now, because when he, when he was back in Sweden, he was playing in the men's elite league at 17 at 17. So what's he going to do? Be a, be a leader there. No, but the year, the, the couple years before that, when he was playing against his own age group, people looked up to Rasmus Dahlin. He was a leader 
on that team, how he played, how he spoke in the dressing room. He was the one that was talking because he had the ability to be a leader. But now, fast forward six years, Rasmus Dahlin is now growing as a young man. He's played four years in the National Hockey League. He's still super crazy young, but he's starting to feel more comfortable about showing his leadership qualities that he's had all those years before. I look at Rasmus Dahlin. In another year from now, one more full year from now, what kind of guy is he going to be like in the room? I think he's going to take a much bigger role. Dylan Cousins, if you were to ask me right now, it, should Dylan Cousins be the, the, the captain of the Buffalo Sabres? I should say no. But I'm going to tell you this, that young man with the way that he speaks, the way that he interacts with the media, I know he is going to be a leader in this league. But it's just not right now. He needs a couple more years to be able to grow into that role. Alex Tuck. I mean, Alex Tuck has been a guy who's been in the league. He's seen a lot. He's played in the playoffs. He's lost in the playoffs. He's lost games. He's won games. He's played in big games. He's exceptionally, he is without question the best speaker I've seen in Buffalo In a very long time, I watched his interview, the entire interview, and the way how articulate and how he speaks is absolutely incredible. He's injected a lot into this team. Yes, he has. The trade, the trade was one thing people were excited to get him, but he, he injected so much into this group when he stepped on the ice and took over. He is the reason, in my opinion, why Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner exploded and, and stayed there. I, I believe it. I believe he made them play speed, at a different level. Speed, forecheck, hockey IQ, and the way Alex that he Tuck did was the best thing to happen to Tage Thompson. Period. Yes, you can credit Don Granado for putting him at center. I agree. It was a good, good experiment and it it seemed to work. I think there's still obviously improvement to be made before he's like that elite, elite centerman. Yep. But he, he excelled in that role. And once Alex Tuck was put on his line, it forced Tage Thompson to play faster. Yep. It did. It forced Jeff Skinner to play faster, period. Neither one of those players had ever – well, I shouldn't say that for Skinner, but Thompson's never played with a guy like Tuck. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, you know, there are guys – you know, even Matthias Samuelson, who is is someone that we don't we don't speak about very much in in a, in a leadership role. But go back, go back to Matthias Samuelson's days of growing up through youth hockey into all his. He was captain of the World Junior Hockey Team. Uh, these are the best players in the United States. He is named captain. He goes and plays uh, D one hockey. He's named an assistant captain after his second year. He's only nineteen. After his first year. After his first year. After his first year. Yes. His coach and his and his coach was never never believed in giving sophomore players letters. There you go. I can't remember the coach's name. He's a legendary guy from uh, Murray. Um, Andy Murray. Andy Murray. Andy Murray. Yeah, the L.A. Kings coach. Yeah, St. Louis Blues, L.A. Kings. Like, yeah. like he was so known in college hockey he, for not giving the sophomores uh, any letters at all, but he gave one to Samuelson because he said he couldn't resist it. Yeah. So, like when you when you look at the young core, 
Like, and there's, there's obviously cores on teams, but the young, young core of players, you know, the, the Dylan cousins, the Rasmus Dahlins, the, the, the Matthias Samuelsons, there are, there's a young group here that have tremendous leadership qualities. So when you ask to finalize, when you look at picking a captain for the Buffalo Sabres, the captain as of right now, it's Caliposo. There is absolutely no question. The only thing is Caliposo has one more year left on his deal. Do you name him captain knowing that he has one year left? Yes. Or do you name a... He's earned it. Okay. And that means something to a player. I don't have a problem with that. And I think every I'm, single player in that locker room is going to sit there. I know, but I think people would be, say, why are you going to name okay a captain for one year? Well, because until you find your next captain. Until you, because Oposo deserves it. He actually, you know, he deserves it. Period. Just put his time in here. He's gone through a lot of shit and he's still performing. You know, he's still got the positive attitude. He's still helping the young guys. You know, he's bought into what they're doing here. So, absolutely. I mean, what a nice, if, the, if next year is the last year of his career, who knows if it is or isn't, because he had a hell of a year this year. If next year's the last, what a, what a nice little, token of appreciation and not just token but no like a nice little yeah some nice recognition for what he's done here he deserves the c yep it means a lot to players it means i believe it means yeah. a lot to guys you know can but i tell again, you a quick I story think, i think I, got, I think kyle poso is also the player that if he was not chosen as the captain of this team and there was dialogue behind closed doors to say listen i we we know that you're the captain but we need you to be part in, in guiding the next guy, the next future captain that's going to be here for maybe, you know, years beyond. So I don't know what they're going to do, but either way, they're in a really, really, um, they're, in, they're in a good situation because they have some really young up and coming uh, leaders um, and they have some great leaders in uh, their old bucks in uh, Gergensen and Oposo. They're, you can't go wrong. I don't think they should leave it to vote, though, because I just, you know what? It's Oposo next year, and then after well, that. Well, if they leave it to vote, Kyle Oposo is 1,000% your captain. Okay, and if, and if he is your captain next year, then you got to choose between either Tuck, which is a no-brainer, Rasmus Dahlin, or do you give it to Patty Kane when he signs here as a UFA? You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. But I need to tell you a quick story, quick, quick, quick story about the year you were voted captain. Okay. Oh, now, now, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with you. I know you didn't vote for me. Big deal. You're the only one. <laughs> I don't think I was the only one. But I will say this. Tim Connolly, right before the vote, he says, he comes up and he says to me, he says to a couple guys, he goes, here's what I think we should do. I think all of us should vote for Petey and see if Lindy is really going to follow the vote. <laughs> because everyone thought they were just going to have a smokescreen vote, you know, have the vote, and then, you know, obviously we're not going to be able to see or count them, and they're not going to count them in front of the team, which they should have done. Yeah. And you were already named captain for sure before the vote even happened. It's like we got to figure out a way because, you know, Rivs hasn't been here long. So why don't we go and have say we have a vote, but then we'll give it to. Do you Rivs think when we did the voting, do you actually think that I won the vote? I do. Be honest. I do. And I'll tell you I, why. I'll okay. tell you why. 
I didn't think like, you were going to say that. I I do think he won, but I I but I think there's like a I think there's like a I think you you received a lot of votes from the younger guys that were there because you were so like you were captivating. I mean, your personality, your 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 ruggedness. You know, you were a fucking seasoned vet. Like you were, you reeked of a of a leader. Okay. So I think guys like Mike Weber, I know Mike Weber voted for you. I think guys like Reggie Sakara voted for you. I think the younger guys, yeah, you know, voted for voted for you. Um, I don't think I'm not saying the older guys didn't vote for you. I voted for Teppo, and it was you know what I voted for Teppo because he he wasn't a talker, but he was a he was a leader. He led by example. He he was a march to his own beat kind of guy, but hardworking, always prepared. Yeah, you know, he like, is, I mean, he was something special. We had special. something special in the room. He was captivating in his own right, even though he was mute. He's silent, just silent assassin. And when he, he didn't spoke, even have to speak. Oh, yeah. But when he did, like, didn't matter what he was saying. It was kind of like, what, yeah. did, what did he just, what did Teppo just say? Did yeah. Teppo just speak out loud? Yeah. And, you know, like that was that's the only reason why I voted for him. But yes, I do. I do believe you, you got a vast majority of the votes and I, you know yeah. what? Like I'll tell you this and, and this, um, this is just my thought. Uh, I don't know if I won the voter or not. I, I would think that I was not chosen captain through, through the vote. I think it would have been close, but I don't think I actually would have won it. Because I think that there was such a tight-knit group amongst a middle-aged group of players on the team that um, I think it would have been a collective vote with all of those guys. And what I mean by that is the Vanek, the Pominville, the Danny Paye, the Clark MacArthur, the Andrew Peters, all of those players, the Derek Roy's, you guys all came up at the same time, like within a year's difference. So that majority of vote right there, I think would have been the deciding factor. And I'm just not sure if those guys would have voted for me, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know either. I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. And no one went around, but I remember asking some of the younger guys at the table and I, it was, you know, Reggie Sakara. Uh, Mike Weber only played seven games that year, but he was there to start the year and he voted. And I know he yeah. voted for you. Should ask him about that. And uh, yeah, even guys, I think maybe so even uh, Talinder, who I sat beside, I think, you know, with the short period of time, I was only there for like a month to get to know these guys. I think those guys would have had the ability to make a, make a better decision. Cause I talked to Talinder every day. So we can confirm this. You had at least two votes, and I guess that was enough for Lindy. <laughs> he probably said, Darcy said, you know what? If Riv gets one vote, he's the captain. <laughs> so you can thank Mike Weber for that C on that sexy yeah. jersey behind Thanks, you. Thanks, Webby. Yeah. Uh, what did we miss today? Did we miss anything? No, I mean, we, great stuff. Great stuff. Greats um, tomorrow with Gio in the morning and Chris Pronger also tomorrow. So yeah, yeah, that's, I'm really uh, excited about uh, the grades because we had we had quite a we had quite a battle in our in our last uh, you know grading session. Um, 
And I'm going to tell you it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super pleased. Uh, a lot of those guys that, that we graded and we will tell the grades. Okay. We will give the grades of, of all the players that we gave, but there's a lot of guys that played really, really well in the second part of the season. So should Do you have the grades? Do you have all the grades? No, you that, have the grades. That's we, on me. We, yeah. That's, that was on up. you. Better dig those up. All right. Good stuff. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.